Heavenly Father, that we would see Jesus. Amen. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. The prophet Jeremiah spoke these words, a prayer to the Lord, in the midst of his prophesying against Judah on the verge of the Babylonian captivity. He was prophesying that there would be one who would come from far off, Babylon, would level the walls of Jerusalem and carry her people away to a faraway land. As you can imagine, it was a very unpopular message. Uh, they did not want to hear it. Jeremiah, in fact, while preaching this message, was attacked by his own brothers, beaten and pilloried by a priest and false prophet, imprisoned by the king, threatened with death, thrown into a cistern by the officials of Judah, and opposed by a false prophet. So opposed and so much opposition and so much angst that he even began to question, maybe I should just keep my mouth shut. Maybe I should just not preach the word of the Lord. His life was at an all-time low. He had nowhere that he could go. His closest compatriots and friends had turned on him, and he had nowhere to be. He was brought low. I've heard it said, in fact, just this week, somebody said to me, well, God never gives you more than you can handle. Let me set the record straight. That is not in the Bible. Anywhere. Now, it is true that God never gives you more than he can handle, but certainly Jeremiah didn't feel that way. St. Paul didn't feel that way when he said, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers in Corinth, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. The fact of life is that we are given more than we can handle. That is an absolute truth that every single one of us will experience, that something is going to happen to you, and sometimes regularly, that life is going to come at you in a way that you simply cannot handle, no matter how many arrows you have in your quiver. And that's exactly where Jeremiah is right now. Well, how did he cope? When you don't have the resources at hand, where do you turn to? Jeremiah said, as low and as bottomed out as I am, there is a fire in my bones, and I cannot keep it shut. This morning, I think that there are a lot of us who find life very difficult. Many of us may not be depressed, but I would imagine that a great number of us are bored. We've lost passion for what we do. In fact, the Wall Street Journal just this week said that 50% of people have no passion and are not excited about what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, whether they're a student or whether they're uh, in the workplace or whether they're retired or whatever station of life they may be, maybe a husband, a wife, 
a mom or a dad, that the passion that they once had in their hearts, the fire that burned, is either dwindling or not there. And so for some of us this morning, we long to be like Jeremiah, to rekindle a fire in our hearts that will give us passion and purpose and direction and joy and wholeness and healing in our own lives. That no matter how bad things get, there is a fire within us that burns that we cannot keep it in. Where does this fire come from? Well, this fire comes from God himself. The way that this fire enters into the life of Jeremiah and enters into any other of us is that God himself enters into the heart of the believer through a personal relationship. And the Holy Spirit himself sets up residence in our heart and makes our heart burn for the God of the universe. And so it begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It begins with a relationship for him and the message of the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done for you in his life and death and resurrection. That message no longer etched on tablets of stone but on the fleshy tablets of your heart is burned into you in such a way that it can never ever be removed. John Wesley, many of you know the story. He grew up in the rectory of a Church of England family. His dad was a minister, a rector in Norfolk, and he went off to Oxford to study theology. He was ordained there. He went off to be a missionary in Georgia, and when that didn't take, which is often the case, uh, he went back uh, to England, and there uh, he went to a meeting of some Moravians on Aldersgate Street near St. Paul's Cathedral, and somebody was reading from Martin Luther's preface to Paul's epistle to the Romans. And John Wesley said that as he heard those words about the great work that God had wrought in his life through Jesus, he said, it felt as though my heart was strangely warmed and my life was changed forever. John Wesley had grown up in a church family. He was a churchman himself, an ordained clergyman and had heard about the wonders of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet he had never appropriated it for himself. It had never become a word of grace and mercy and love for him. And when God the Holy Spirit intervened in his life on Aldersgate Street, his heart burned, and his life was changed. He was a different man. He went with purpose, and the great Methodist revival broke out in England and in America because of the work that the Holy Spirit did in his life, setting John Wesley's heart ablaze. And so, if you want to have a heart fire this morning, if you want your heart to burn, you have to know the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, in your own life. Many of us are like John Wesley in that we see our spiritual lives as sort of a component of the greater whole of us. That Jesus is one part of the pie that makes up being a well-grounded human being. So you have your Jesus spiritual life down here and another piece of the pie is social and work and family life 
and whatever it might be. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is wholly comprehensive. There's not a part of your life that he doesn't touch. In fact, it not only touches all parts of your life, God himself gets a hold of your life. And that's the difference. He's not compartmentalized, but he is everything. But there are some of us this morning who say, Jesus is in my heart, he is my Lord and my Savior, and yet I feel the fire flickering. The prophet Isaiah reminds us that a bruised reed God will not break, a dimly burning wick he will not snuff out. Jeremiah begins the book by saying, a word from the Lord, they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. The word of the gospel, which we hear time and time again here, and it's a message that never gets old. Even in our gospel reading, God is so for you that he knows you better than yourself. He knows the number of hairs on your head. I don't know that about anybody that I love, nor do I care about anyone to take the time to know that. And yet so intentional is God's love for you that he numbers the hairs on your head, that he knows you by name, that he is for you even when he seems far off. He is next to you as a dread warrior doing battle on your behalf in the midst of life. And so when it seems that God is far off and you're a dimly burning wick, remember the promises of God and Jesus Christ, that he knows the number of hairs for your head, and as he mounted the hard wood of the cross, that he thought of you. And because of his death and victory over the grave on that Sunday, Death is conquered and vanquished, and sin no longer has dominion over you, and your life is hidden in Jesus. You are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. And he will set your heart ablaze by the power of his Holy Spirit and the truth of his gospel. There are lots of dimly burning wicks in the church and one keeps coming to mind recently, and that is Miriam Ibrahim, who was sentenced in Sudan recently to 100 lashes and death for adultery and apostasy. Her crime? She became a Christian. She and her 20-month-year-old son 20-month-old son, were sent to prison to await her execution. And 12 days after that prison cell door shut, she gave birth to a baby girl while her feet were in chains, shackled to the floor. Who would not fold under such pressure? I've been thinking about it that, you know, well, what she could do is simply recant her faith and then 
sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus on the way home and go merrily about being a Christian. And yet, she doesn't. Why? Because there is a fire in her bones that cannot be put out. She knows all too well the words of St. Paul to Timothy in his last epistle. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in the gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Whether you have no fire, whether you're a dimly burning wick this morning, know this if you are a Christian. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. If you want a fire in your heart this morning that cannot be put out, throw yourself upon the mercy of Jesus Christ. Cling to his promises and draw near with faith and receive him anew and burn brightly for your good, but above all, for his great glory. Amen.